So we are, are we back? Yeah, now we're back. We are back. Today is October, somebody help me, October 13th? October 13th. Um, so we are super excited to be back. I know we went live yesterday and our Facebook has been acting up a little bit. But I think we got some hot topics to talk about today. I really do. Um, I want to start off, before we go into anything, there's a video that kind of caught me off guard earlier this week. And I wanted us to watch it um, to kind of see what happened. This, I think this guy was in, um, quote me if I'm wrong, where was he at, Disco? Where was he at, this happening? It was it in, you know what's on the video? Ah, I just showed the video.
Thanks, Thanks for, for watching, watching our YouTube, YouTube channel. channel. Cut, it, cut it. Thank you. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, like, <clears throat> I seen that. I think that came out over the weekend. That was in Dayton, Ohio. So, get that corrected. That was in Dayton, Ohio. And even just watching the video now here in the moment, like, everybody in the room was like, I, I like, I don't know. It, it, I, I don't know. Um, he was paraly paraly what's the word I'm looking for? Paraplegic. Yeah, which means that he really, he couldn't walk. Um, and they kept asking him, obviously, to get out of the car, and he told them that he wasn't getting out of the car, but that he was. He explained to them he couldn't walk. And the fact of the matter is, like, as you see, like they even pulled him by his hair out of the car. And even when they got him on the ground, they're pulling him by his hair. And even when they pulled him in the car to put him in the police car, one officer was on the other side of the car and pulled him by his hair to pull him into the police car. So if, <clears throat> as a nation, I know we've been really pushing towards having body cams, but if officers have body cams and they still don't care, uh, yeah, I'm saying like I, I, I'm speechless. Go ahead. Um, I, honestly, watching this is just uh, it's hard to watch. First of all, uh, secondly, you know, I don't know what he did to you know to get pulled over, and you know, oh, he had ten on his windows. I mean, tin on your windows gets you pulled out your car by your hair. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of ridiculous at, at a certain point. And, and then when they pick him up and see that he can't use his legs, I mean, I feel like it's obvious that he's telling the truth. You know, um, I mean, a tent, you would think, would just give you a ticket and, you know, keep it moving. And he had a baby in the car. And there's a baby in the baby car? The baby in the He got He got pulled over the tent, and they said the baby wouldn't buckle it up in the car seat. So, I, I, so all this happened for this baby too. But just for the record, like we don't have all the details of it, right? Yeah. So let's not. I don't want to push out anything that we have not. I we haven't been able to fully verify, right? right? Okay. And NBC has they put in their clip right. that they can't verify what happened prior to and what happened at the end of it, right? Yeah, um, and I know that they're doing an investigation, but the reality is that, in regardless of how you feel about a person being pulled over, if a person, I don't care whether they even was in a stolen car. That's still not the way we deal with a human being, if that makes sense, right? Um, there's ways where we can be be enforceful of the law yeah. without going overboard. And just because you have a badge doesn't give you a right to play um, prosecutor, police, and judge on the side of the street, yeah. right? Hope. I mean, uh, in, in the defense oh. of, of law enforcement, I know... Sean Hope, Hope, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I, go ahead. <laughs> you know, they, they basically say, you know, when they go to work, they just want to come home. Right. right. Mm -hmm. So if you're, in a, if you're in a situation where you can't really tell uh, if someone is telling the truth or not, I can kind of understand you being apprehensive. But once he's dragged out the car and you see that his legs don't weigh more than his arms, mm -hmm. <coughs> excuse me, you kind of know that he's at least somewhat telling the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like if he had some type of uh, identification, he probably has some type of uh, disability on his license. You know, maybe he could start there or run his, run his information to verify, you know, whether he was, you know, uh, telling the truth or not. What do you have to say, Hope, about it? Well, that's the first time I've seen that video, um, and that that's that's hard to watch. 
Honestly, because that's somebody's brother, that's somebody's son, somebody, you know, like that's somebody's father. Somebody's yeah, like that. That that's tough to see that there are people out in this world who don't know how to deal with a conflicting situation because we really don't know, you know, exactly what happened. But to have to drag somebody out of the car by their hair is extreme, very mm. extreme, especially when he's not posing a threat based off of the video. You know right. what I mean? So, like, how do officers, they really do need to figure out a way to, if you're in a situation like that, what do you do to de-escalate? You know, because what if he would have got murdered or killed, right. you know? Let's not forget what happened to Sandra Bland. That's the exact situation. And I knew her personally. So, I'm looking at this like, wow, you know, that's that's deep. It shouldn't have went that far. And then, too, I think it goes back to the whole argument about, um, where, as I mean, I can speak on behalf of as a, of an organization. Like we have done our utmost to try to make sure that we avoid um, being too judgmental when it comes down to these type of police incidents. Um, but there's certain things that have happened, or certain things that happen that kind of go out of the, the scope, right? The fact of the matter is that he wasn't a threat. I can understand he was a threat. He was probably running. He was initiating. He wasn't a threat. All he did was just say, "I wasn't getting my, I getting out of my car." He even called somebody to tell them to come down there and check on them, right? Um, and I don't know, and this is another reason why I say we can't really talk about it in detail because there's certain things we can't confirm. It looks like one of those officers may have been African-American. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a something that's just, it looks. Now, I'm not saying he was. He could have had a great tan. But I'm just saying it's not something, when we talk about police brutality, it's not a black and white issue for me. It's a power issue for me. It's a policy issue for me. Mm-hmm. It's whether or not we have really given our law enforcement more power than they actually need. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's not, and people get it, the term defund police screwed up because they assume that the word defund police means that we want to eliminate the police department. That's not what defund police means. It means that instead of us spending so much money on police, let's take some of the money that we're investing into our law enforcement and invest in other things because some of those law enforcement agencies have so much money. They're out here buying tanks. They're out here buying new cars. They're out here buying new fleets. They're out here and they're, they're building new centers. You know what I'm saying? What if we took some of that money instead of investing it into a new facility that they probably don't need we renovated the one that they have and then we took the other half of it and invested into mental health and to actually hiring somebody who can be with drivers riding on the street with them so if there's a mental health case coming up instead of sending the armed police officer out there send them out there with a, with a mental health um, 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 professional so that's what defund the police means so when people say it like uh, a lot of times people are like oh well people we just want to defund the police I'm, listen I'm, I'm not in favor of getting rid of police departments at the end of the day if something happens at my home, I'm not going to call you. I'm going to call the police. I want them to be prosecuted. I want to make sure that the person who did me wrong or the person who may have caused me harm or anybody around me harm is prosecuted, right? But what I want to make sure of at the same time is that when we have law enforcement, first off, they're held to the same account as anybody else. Like we were talking about earlier, in the grand jury process in, in the state of Georgia, um, they don't allow for people to sit in that grand jury. The only time a person has a voice in that grand jury hearing is when it's a police-involved incident, they're allowed to speak on behalf of themselves in a grand jury. Um, but a regular person doesn't get that option. Where they may spend 10 to 10 minutes tops going through grand juries for a regular indictment, when it's a police-involved incident, they can spend to two to four hours on that indictment. So it tells you that um, police are treated like they're somewhat special or they're somewhat above the law. And we have learned, I think more so, definitely in the last four, four or five years, that if we don't put systems in place that kind of limit a, a, the way a person is able to use their power, 
then you have people who will get in power who just go rampant with it, right? And we can use the last president as an example. I'm going to say it. The last president as an example, right? There was so many things that we thought that the institution was like, okay, well, the institution is going to control him here, or the institution is going to control him here. Even Joe Biden, there's some things that he's done. And we'd be like, okay, the institution is going to rein him in here. And they push through the institution because the law gives them the right to do so. And there's nothing really we can do about it. Um, so it, it's just it's interesting to me. It infuriates me because I'm not one of those people who just stand up and be like, oh, every police officer is bad, right? I'm not one of those people who are out there saying, like, every police-involved shooting is on behalf of the police officers. They sh- they're wrong for doing it. I am literally one of those people who stand out there and say, you know what, let's get all the details of the case. Let's look at it. Let's see how we can work with law enforcement to kind of fit some of these issues and make it better. And let's see how we can bridge a gap between law enforcement and community in which they serve. But stuff like this um, puts yoke on my face because when I go back to my community and say, hey, um, you know, we have to work with the police. We have to trust the police. We have to be more involved with our police department. People are saying stuff like this. Yeah. And it doesn't make it easier. And, and, and that's not to say that every police department is doing this, right? Because the reality is that this is not it, – it, it happens a lot, but it doesn't happen a lot. Like, you know what I'm saying? When you think about the amount of police departments there are around the country, the amount of police officers there are around the country, and the amount of cases we see like this, it, hap- it doesn't happen a lot, right? But the reality is it's happening more, way more than it should be happening. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you can't train anybody to, teach, to treat someone humane. And I think that's the big part of it, like your conscience, like, you know, what I mean, like Which your conscience, weird, because they give you like a psychological when you go through police training, like police training is very extenuous. I'm surprised that most people well, you know, just I feel like it's the, the judge part being biased about it. Like they already kind of have like a preconception of how people are before they even go into the situation. And then they got to figure out like, well, how I'm going to deal with you. And I think that's really what we got. to. But this is the thing about it. Right. I get the fact of them doing um, doing psychological evaluations. Mm-hmm. So back in the early 1990s, one of the big things they used to use was lie detector tests, right? Mm-hmm. And lie detector tests was everything in court. Mm-hmm. Today, lie detector tests are not even allowed to be used in court because they found out that it produces false, false positives, right, all the time, right? People going in, they're nervous, and then, you know, something spikes or something like that. So it's not really as accurate as they thought it would be. Mm-hmm. People got to understand that there's people out here who, when you're when you have a psychological issue, you could probably pass through some of these tests because you don't understand that you have a psychological issue. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it's not just a one conversation thing where you're gonna realize a person has a psychological issue. It's something that you have to evaluate that person. You have to spend time with that person. Mm-hmm. You may have to see that person three or four times before you actually know, right? Now, there's some cases where if a person come in there and they're like, "Hey, Johnny, hey, Freddie," and you know, we get that, right? But even in cases like that, so put it like this. Think about Social Security. If you ever dealt with the Social Security system, if you have a disability in Social Security, they send you to an evaluation to, to get evaluated, right? And they make a um, um, determination on whether or not you really have the, ca- the situation in which you have, right? 80% of the time when Social Security sends you to that doctor, they come back and say that that person doesn't have a learned disability. That person's not this. That person's not that, right? So that's because we're investing money into making sure that this person actually has the situation. The police departments, I can tell you now, police departments, they may be investing in doing psychological evaluations, but they're not really investing in doing psychological um, evaluations. The fact of the matter is that there's people who are narcissists who don't need to be police officers. There's people who were bullied in school, and high school, and now this opportunity for them to get a badge and be the one who's in charge versus the one who had to be bullied all his life. I mean, literally, my first time moving, I tell this story all the time, my first time moving to Georgia, I stayed in Cherokee County. 
And it was two to three times a week when I pulled into my neighborhood. I got pulled over all the time. And if you ran my tag, you knew it was my um, you knew it was my car. You ran my tag, you knew it. But the same question was asked me every every single time: Where are you coming from? First off, I'm a grown man. I don't need to explain to you where I'm coming from. Whose car is this? Well, if you run my tag, <laughs> you will see that. It, where are you going? Literally, my house was not even less than two blocks up the road. And every single week, at least twice a week, that happened to me. One time, I was literally driving home. I had went to Taco Bell. It was one of those nights you just hungry. One o'clock in the morning, you want some Taco Bell. It's the only thing open. And I went to Taco Bell, and I was I had and I legally made the turn. I, I admit that, confess it. Okay, Cherokee, I paid the ticket, we're good. <laughs> um, but I made the legal turn. It was a red light. I made it in the red light because it made no sense for this light to be here. And the cop pulls me over, and the first question he asked me is like, "What's in the bag?" So quite naturally, if somebody asks you what's in the bag, your natural reaction is going to be to reach and show them what's in the bag. Mm. And before I reached the show and was in the back, he literally put out his gun and told me, don't move, um, and went the, to the stream. Luckily for me, like, I knew how to talk to him and how to mm-hmm. deal with him. Mm-hmm. And me and that officer ended up spending like an hour outside, like, talking to each other and mm-hmm. getting to know each other, right? But that's not the case for everybody. That's not the case for, I mean, everybody. And, and then on top of that, you cannot blame black people and black young men and black young women of being afraid to step out of the car when this is what we see, mm-hmm. Right. Um, that when I step out the car, that even if I even even if I do everything you tell me to do, mm-hmm. it still may end up costing me my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't blame black people when when we don't want to pull over in the middle of the night right. because it's a dark neighborhood and we want to take you up the road another mile right. and pull over at a lighted gas station yeah. so that there's a light to where. And I have been in a situation where the officer be like, "Well, why didn't you pull over back there? Because it was dark. Yeah. There was nobody back there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I, this this video just it blows me. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like if we got to the point where it was more, um, say if they had an officer that was, if you're just a plain officer and we could have an officer that was, like you were saying, like a psychological evaluation, a de-escalator, something like that, maybe got paid more to, to drive along. So at least if it was a situation where one of these things clicks now this person is going to take the lead on how to de-escalate this or deal with this problem instead of, you know, just let's de-escalate this and whatever string we have to go to, then that's just part of the job, you know. Or also um, dealing with them when, when they don't feel like it's, it's, a, it's an issue where they're going to be in trouble, whatever happens, then obviously if you don't feel like there's going to be any uh, any legal problems for you then you're going to just do whatever right you know like if you get if you if you get fired and you can get a job at another place mm, right mm-hmm. you know it's like well i'll just get a job somewhere else so that's the reason why i'm all for um we have to pass police reform we need to pass the george floyd bill um we need to reform the system real quick because i know we have a short time here um before two o'clock um there was another event that we had a chance to attend today i think we have some pictures from it down in Gwinnett county um we were invited by solicitor um, Brian Whiteside where he hosted the event today literally talking to the community and talked to different races from the community different people from the community there was Asian I mean an Asian community was represented today represented there today the Hispanic community was represented there today the black community was represented there today um, as well as Black Push had a chance to be one of the speaking organizations so um, that was really cool um, hope you went how did you feel about it yes the event was awesome I enjoyed myself tremendously um, I prefer we really like the councilwoman. I can't remember her name at the moment, but I like I liked her a lot. She was very empowering. Yo, me or something like that. I, I think so. I think so. I know her last name is Hampton. I do remember that much, but 
Um, yeah, she. Everybody that came out was was really awesome. I did not realize how much work needs to be done. Like it's it's a lot. Um, even with like sex trafficking and all the domestic um, violence. Yeah, like those numbers are just getting worse and worse and worse. I know you know I've heard things before, just based off of like because of COVID and everybody being stuck in the house. But I just did not know that it was that bad to have so many deaths just in a week. I think yeah, that one of the things that shocked me was that he said they had seven domestic violence cases yeah. in this alone in Gwinnett. In all of those cases, with African American women, mm-hmm. um, so that's just so that's something that we're going to probably talk about later on um, down the road. But it was very nice of him to invite us there, so we really do appreciate that. Um, but we want to just continue to remind people that hey, at the end of the day, um, we have an obligation to each other. We really do. Um, we really do have an obligation to each other. And for those who watched the video of this guy, and um, even as of I think as of today, they still haven't figured out if they're going to pursue charges against him because there's no charge to really charge him with. But for those who watch video of a human being being treated like that and think that it's okay, um, you need to do some soul searching. And that's all I'm going to say. Like, you really need to do some soul searching. But tomorrow we'll be back. We have a very, very special guest. We have um, Representative Eric Allen who will be on with us tomorrow, who's actually running for lieutenant governor of the state of Georgia. So he'll be on tomorrow with um, Pastor Lisa Musser will be on as well to ask some questions of Mr. Eric Allen. So tune in tomorrow, you guys, at 1 o'clock, where we will be back with our Push Talk. Um, kudos to everybody who was on today. Kudos to Hope. Kudos to Sean. And kudos to Ali and Disc or Ryan who are in the room with us today. Um, so until tomorrow at 1 o'clock, everybody stay.